Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtic Step Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for Boston sports. And, and John, you know, that was a wild ride over July 4th weekend. You know, I think a lot of families were impacted. I don't think I ever checked my phone like that in my life. We joked about it uh, on Sunday as we prepared ourselves for the big announcement. And I'm not going to lie. I got a little carried away with optimism, for sure, and so I definitely <laughs> a little a hard swing, a hard swing in the other direction on July 4th. But quite frankly, I'm still not happy about it. Even with a little bit of time, it's not even just about the fact that, that Kevin Durant didn't come to the Celtics. It's his choice, and, 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 I, and I'm just, you know, let's just dive right into it, John. Here's my deal. One mistake in my initial analysis, everything else stays the same. And I know you're not going to agree with me, but initially I'm thinking, okay, I'm extremely frustrated by the fact that the, you know, the rich get richer, right? Like if you're voting for Bernie Sanders, you don't like this move. Um, or I guess you can't vote for Bernie Sanders. But if you were voting for him and you were a Democrat in the primaries, the rich get richer, you know, and, and, and John, you live in Maine, so... I mean, that used to be a very democratic state. I'm just saying, nobody wants the rich to get richer, but here it happened. And and even more frustrating for me is I already, I loved Golden State. Even though they were dominating and setting the record, I still loved watching them. I loved their brand of basketball. Now I have to hate them, and I don't like that either. But what was most unsettling to me was that Kevin Durant lost to that team after blowing a 3-1 lead. And then he goes and joins the enemy. Like, there's a little bit of this, we're just too buddy-buddy in this league thing going on, for my taste. And if Antoine Walker had left for the Nets after 2002's loss in the Eastern Conference Finals, we all would have wigged out. And now we're hearing about Ray Allen jumping on board, and David West has already jumped on board. I mean, I'm just going to come out with the angst right now. I also thought that Kevin Durant was non-committal going one for one. But after having some retrospect on that, I'm like, ah, the one for one and one is just about him getting more money next year when the cap goes up. He's not leaving Golden State. He has no intentions of leaving Golden State. And quite frankly, there, the, the, the parity of the West being stronger than the East just got even worse. 
Well, I think I think Golden State versus the United versus the entire league is probably that imbalance has gotten worse, and particularly with Duncan potentially walking away. I think the gap between even the first and the second best team, and yes, that's right, I'm saying Cleveland's the third best team in that, is has widened. Uh, but even if you say that that Cleveland or or, or San Antonio is is two three. There's a, there's a clear gap there from one to the rest of them. Thankfully, they have to play the games. Thankfully, they don't just have the opportunity to go on paper and say, well, you've won the off-season championship, congrats. That didn't work so well for the 2011 Miami Heat. It didn't work all, all that well for the 2012 Miami Heat. Uh, you know, it, it took some doing to finally for them to get across the, the finish line and, and finish the season strong. 2014, guess how those Miami Heat turned out? So, you know, but it's certainly different. It's, it's different yeah, for so it's, yeah. many reasons. Yeah, but you, know, you know what, though? It's still one ball. It's still one ball, and it's one ring. And until they find a way to allow them to shoot at different hoops and do those things, it's still going to be one team. And, you know, we, they won 73 games this year. They won 73 games. They, they won more games in 82 games schedule than any other team in the NBA history. Arguably the greatest team ever. Not that I believe it, but that's what they say. And you had Kevin Durant. How can they possibly be better than they were? It's impossible, frankly. Yeah, but it, but, but it, would, be it wouldn't work if they added Russell Westbrook because the dude needs the ball. And that's actually, oh. if you read Howard Beck's article on Real GM and a number, another, a number of other animations is, you know, Durant wanted to grow his game and he needed to get, he felt he needed to get away from Russell Westbrook to do that. Yep. In this yep. case though, you're talking about a team full of unselfish stars. It's precisely the reason I enjoyed watching them play and also why now I'm just super pissed that I have to hate them. But you can't love a team that just won 73 games and added a perennial all-star, likely Hall of Famer, to the roster at 27 years of age. They're young. They've got seven, eight years ahead of them, especially because they can share the ball. And thanks to this crazy i mean listen guys like evan turner deserve the money right the players deserve the money but this is one oddball consequence to the cap going up and rewarding the players for really putting a product out there that has just continued to grow and generate revenue so they deserve the money but this was an oddball scenario this this is something that wasn't supposed to happen the league didn't guard against it now it's happened and Quite frankly, they're going to share the ball. They're all going to be able to get rest during the season. If there's one thing you could point to that might have caused the Golden State Warriors to to take a dive was, you know, look at Curry kind of struggling through the early part of the playoffs. Look at the injuries, Bogut injury. Um, they suffered with injuries. And now David West is on board. Zaza Pochuli is on board. Iggy is still on board. Yeah, they had to renounce a few people, but major upgrade Durant over Harrison Barnes, no-brainer upgrade. The thing is, is these guys are going to be well-rested this year, and they already broke the record. It's stupid to even talk about them going for 75 wins or 80 wins next year. What's the point? They have the record. All they need to do next year is take a page out of the Spurs book, stay healthy, pour it on in the postseason, because now it's all about championships, and championships they will have.
Well, it, 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 that's a great story, but the fact is is that other than the Celtics in 2008, none of these super teams have worked as well as they seem to in the summer. Right, We saw the, the perfect storybook ending to that season. We saw players near the end of their career. We saw players willing to give up things, major parts of their game, to be able to fit well. And their games fit well to each other. How? What? I understand we're in this pace and space era, and I understand it's all about shooting and skill. But at the same point, if you have nobody to rebound the basketball, and, and I'm saying that with knowing that Draymond Green is an all-star player, you need more than that. You can't have everyone be the scorer. You can't have everyone be the shooter. You can't have everybody sit back and be, you know, fill up the buckets. Somebody's got to do the hard work. Someone's got to be. You can't. You, you can't have enough Iguodalas. You can't have enough Draymond Greens. And I don't think that this this. Golden State Warriors team is going to be as good as everyone thinks. I think there's going to be growing pains. There has to be growing pains. There's just the, the you look at the history of these things, and the Celtics in 2008 are the exception to the rule. This one could be an exception as well. I'm not. I'm not saying that that there's no way. There's just no way. But I don't think so. I think it's going to be hard to go from getting 20, 25 shots a game and have to fit in. I mean, do you think Kevin Durant thinks – yeah, he, he says he wants to do these things. We read the Royce Young article today on, on ESPN.com and really details what – from the Oklahoma side of things, what was really going on inside of, of the inner circle and what was going on with the Thunder and what was going on and how these different pieces came together. And to me, just this how I look at this is that – I see a guy in Kevin Durant that's heavily conflicted, that's got a lot of questions about what he wants to do, and thought this was the best path forward because his, 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 the people around him were really pushing him to the exit. I think he's going to regret it. I think 12 months from now, we're all going to be sitting around, and he's going to be back on the market looking for a new place to go. All right, that's here's my prediction. If he's going to regret it, then it only – listen, I don't want him in green. I, I know that you're hoping that right. it goes Absolutely. bad and it all blows up and then he I comes do. over to green next year. <laughs> I don't want him. And here's why. If he doesn't make it work out there, it's because he can't handle the heat. The biggest issue that he's yep. going to run into is not whether or not he can shoot the ball. It's becoming the bad guy. He has been the next Tim Duncan for years, just in terms of attitude. And those were all the things that he endeared himself to me with, right? We wanted him. He was, well, I wanted him. You wanted Odin, but I wanted Durant. <laughs> Sorry, a little jab. I'm That's quite all right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Like, but all I'm I'll saying is we wanted him then. That That is, you know, that he just had the character. And I, my optimism about him being on the Celtics was that I thought he would fall into this culture very well. And I'm not saying that that culture isn't in Golden State, because it absolutely is. But the league needed parity. If he had come to the Boston Celtics, or even if, listen, Miami's not the right fit and Chicago's not the right fit, but my point, or even Toronto, right, or he couldn't got signed there. I mean, the Celtics were the only Eastern Conference option that made any sense at all. But were there another one, all I'm saying is he should have come to the Eastern Conference. That's how you make your mark. You finally battle against LeBron. It brings some balance and parity to the league, and it's gravy. Instead, it weakens the top of the Western Conference 
in some respects in terms of depth, but strengthens it in terms of dominance. And that, to me, is really, really bad for the league. Now, the other thing I'll say is I don't want him here. I don't want him here because... I think if it, the only reason he would come here is if it blew up in his face and he comes with his tail tucked, which I still don't think he'd come to Boston with his tail tucked. What might happen more likely is OKC trades Westbrook and then goes back to Durant and he winds up pulling. Like he just basically pulled a LeBron. He'd pull the LeBron again, but after one season. One season, then he comes back because they get rid of Russ. That I could see happening. I don't see him coming to the Celtics and. I don't want him here because, again, I don't think – I'm not sure he can handle the heat of being the bad guy. You know who embraced becoming the bad guy? LeBron James. And the fact that this scenario has me wanting to root, root for LeBron James, agreeing with Stephen A. Smith, and sounding like Sullivan James Sullivan has got me sick to my stomach. <laughs> well, I, I don't think he – first of all, I don't think LeBron ever embraced being the bad guy. I think he's still – can't handle that, and I think that's part of the reason why he tried to go back to Cleveland is because he didn't like, did not like being the bad guy. I think Durant is also going to have a hard time with that. I don't think he can handle that issue. I think he likes to be below the radar. I don't think that his. I think he's thinking that joining the good guys in Golden State that somehow that's going to you know make him uh, you know better you know seeing more. Uh, uh, because they lost. I hear this a lot. Well, the, you know, Golden State lost in the finals, so that's what allowed them allowed him to go there. Really? They won 73 freaking games. They're going to be a, a ste- they should be a steamroller over the league. I mean, that's not the way it works. Nobody gives a crap whether or not they lost in the finals. That doesn't have an impact. It's what they're going to be with him in, on the roster. I mean, like Isaiah Thomas said, it's illegal to play as the Warriors in 2K17 next year. You're just not going to be able to do it. It's just not fair for anybody. So, you know, to sit here and be like, well, you know, I think that, that he's, you know, he's not going to be, you know, I think he's going to be the bad guy. I think the Golden State Warriors are going to be the bad guys. And I think that there's going to be a lot of teams that people are going to be rooting for. I think every night people are going to be rooting for the opposition. And it's going to be an uncomfortable place to play. I, I really do. And I think the expectations are going to be really high on Golden State. It's it, And, oh, by the way, their two best players are going to be free agents at the end of the year. And yeah, I agree. I think in an ideal world, he's thinking he wants the money with the one-on-one contract. But I think the pressure of having a one-on-one contract is going to be tremendous. And I do want him. I will take him. I, people make mistakes. I'm willing to say, hey, Kevin, baby, come to Boston. <laughs> We could use you here because the need isn't going to go away from near a year from now. I understand what you're saying about trying to hold off and let's build for the future. But and, and I think that generally that's a good concept. I don't want to fill my, my salary cap with a whole bunch of okay players. I, I, I really hold off to star players and all star players. But we need to maintain flexibility for next summer, and I hope that flexibility is still for Kevin Durant. I'll take Gordon Hayward. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fringe all-star guy. No, no, no. You I, can I have want, Gordon Hayward. Dude, I'll take Kevin Durant. <laughs> I want guys with real balls. Follow us on CSL. Follow CSL on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. 
as well as your as well as us, your hosts at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke, as well as the entire CLNS Radio Network at CLNS Radio. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash CLNS fans. Honestly, John, I can't even believe the crap that's coming out of my mouth these days. I'm, I'm definitely out of my element. Download the CLNS Radio app. For iOS and Android, all you have to do is search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. I am going to fight through these these announcements, just so you know. CLNS Radio's YouTube channel, that's right, full-length, high-definition locker room interviews and the Garden Report with Jared Weiss can be found at youtube.com backslash CLNS Radio. And I do have to just remind everybody about our sponsor, Fan Essentials. We gave out a big uh, a big winner to Michael, a good good fan of the show, who's actually headed overseas, so we're going to give him a free month of Fan Essentials Celtics gear. But how would you like to get all of your favorite NBA teams' merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out FanEssentials.net. All you do is pick your favorite sports team, and every month you get gear shipped right to your door. They find it, so you don't have to, and each box comes fully packed with some amazing gear. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Just don't get the Golden State Warriors. That's all I'm going to say there. Prices start at $35, $34.99. You can support Celtics Stuff Live and save 30% on the first month of your subscription by using promo code CSL2016 at the checkout. So go to fanessentials.net and get all the essentials you need. And like I said, every week we're giving away one month. That's right, a free box from Fan Essentials, Celtics gear. All you have to do is retweet our show with hashtag Fan Essentials. So make sure you're following at CSL Tweet Live. So if you're a winner, we can send you a direct message, get your email address, and get you set up. Uh, John, our guest tonight, or I guess I should say tonight, it'll be tomorrow by the time anybody's listening, but we're recording after the Celtics' second summer league game. But we're going to have Chad Finn from the Boston Globe here joining us in just a couple of moments. But, you know, he's kind of done a real nice job of really just looking at the landscape. He's got amazing court vision. I'm really excited to have him on. Maybe he could talk me down off a ledge. I'm certain that he, as well as many other people, will tell me that I'm a complete fool for not wanting Kevin Durant in Boston next year. Well, he won't be the first. He won't be the last. And, uh, no, just kidding. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, Chad normally has a good sense of these things, and I'm sure this will be no exception. And if you remember when we had him on uh, one of our very first shows back, big fan of the Al Horford acquisition via trade at that point. That was, you know, pre-trade deadline stuff. So uh, I know he'll be. Um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be overjoyed, overjoyed uh, with the, with this acquisition, and I don't think that'll change. Um, as we're uh, now that we've signed him without having to give up any assets on the table, um, and I yes, I think he'll be able to help to talk you down off the ledge, man. I trust well, me. Well, here's the thing: I'm not upset with anything that the Celtics did. I'm, no, I uh-huh. think the Celtics did everything they could. It's as I tweeted before we got the crap news, but. Just like I said, you can't fall the Celtics. They pulled out all the stops. They hit all the details. Um, and I still like where this franchise is headed. I just feel like, you know what, at this point, and we'll talk about this after the show, we'll talk about Summer League, and I am excited about Horford. So, you know, by all means, we can still revel in the success of the weekend. And it was entertaining. I mean, there's never been a three-day stretch like this. And even never. from the draft until now, this has been one of the most intense times 
as a Celtics fan and and largely in a very very positive light. So, you know, I'm not going to be negative Nelly all through next season, Camrungeny, 40-year-old man, back in my day. I'm not going to do that, but I'm not happy about how this is going down or what it means for the league. But when we come back, there is still a lot to be excited about. I'm still happy about the roster and I don't fault the Celtics for anything. As a matter of fact, I think they're managing this situation perfectly. But as you and I talked about before we got on the air, I think, in my opinion, in my opinion, the time now is to sit on those 17 and 18 picks, sit back, develop the youth, bide our time, because in five or seven years, then it'll be our opportunity. Then the Celtics can move forward into the upper echelon crust. But I don't want to trade all this youth and all these picks and go all in and try to battle the Golden State Warriors, especially not, maybe you're right, John, maybe you're right, but then we should wait till next year to do that. Right now, everybody has to wait and watch this unfold. No knee-jerk reactions in terms of acquisitions, except one team, and that team is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they should absolutely knee-jerk reaction their brains out. That means Dwayne Wade goes there, whatever, pile on. Because that's all this is going to be about, at least for the next 12 months. It's just going to be LeBron and his crew versus the Golden State Warriors. It's a black and white, east and west NBA landscape. Yeah, no, and I and I agree with you there. I think, and I was listening to Ray and Jay's, and Jay King made a, a very similar point, which is that perhaps this move will now force some Western Conference teams to maybe reevaluate their situation and say, you know what? We're not going to get there with our core. But there's just a huge gap between us and them. Maybe we should be looking at the bottom half of this this upcoming draft, and we should be trying to get one of those picks or trying to get to the bottom of that draft. Uh, and so, you know, I think I, I would hope that should free up some of this market and, and allow for a better uh, exchange of – a higher exchange rate, I guess – for what the Celtics have to offer. I don't think Danny's going to take a rash move. I don't think simply signing Al Horford and his three-year contract, uh, yes, it's four, but he has an opt-out after year three. So effectively, he's got three years to get to a point where you can cash in on some of this. And I think that that's a, you know, if you use one year and you don't go all in, I suppose, to use the term that everyone else is, you know, it's all in, we're going all in, we're going to, you know, got to quick make a deal so that we add a veteran. I think, that, I agree with you, that's the worst possible decision. I think Danny needs to keep doing what he's doing, which is hoard assets, and if he can get a deal that works for him, great. But and not stay young. High. Yeah, stay well. Stay young. Young-ish. I mean, I don't think they should be filling the roster with 30-year-old players like Al Horford. I think he's the exception to the rule. But I do think, I mean, what, 26, 27, this, you know, and younger, you know, the Isaiah age, you know, Bradley, Jay Crowder. I mean, that's, I'm good with staying in that range. You know what I'm saying? I think you stay away from the 30s. Stay away, you know, Horford, let him be the elder statesman. As long as you're not giving up your 17 and 18 pick and your Jalen Brown and your Marcus Smarts until you know what you've got, like truly you've got. The cores, the core pieces can't go, yep. which means we're talking about these weird little, you know, Delonte West and Tony Allen type trades that that they've done. You know, you you're talking about those players that are nice players, and and 
you know, frankly, that's what Tony Allen was then. He's developed into quite a fine NBA player. But, you know, Terry Rozier, who's somebody that is having a, a, a very nice start to the summer league, in my opinion, yep. is a guy that maybe he's one that gets moved. Maybe he makes somebody like Bradley expendable, depend, you know, depending on the value points with some of these guys. You know, unfortunately, I know Bradley's still young, but if you're talking about championship caliber in six years, Bradley's a little undersized, and he's going to be over 30, and he's going to start heading downhill at that point. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I'm not even sure I agree with what I just said. See, this is how this is how crazy this has gotten for me. I haven't even been able to wrap my brain around how they should look to manage the roster because they have these glut of guards that, right. that need playing time to be valuable, to be moved. And I'm not sure you can you can't take Bradley out and put Rozier in. Rozier right. fills Evan Turner's hole. Wait, wait. In a way, you, you, Rozier, you think Rozier fills the Evan Turner role? In a way, I, I don't mean, know. He can't know. I Evan think Turner can play the three, and I, you know we're, we're talking super small lineup if Rozier's in that role. Right. Well, that's it. See, I, well, I think what you're what you're looking at though is really it's it's uh, Marcus Smart who moves into that small forward spot, really. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of where, because because of his size and his positional, you know, versatility. I think he, that's where you really see, you know, maybe those minutes got to go to Jalen Brown then. Well, and I mean, right? Rozier still kind of waits for the the that's the problem. inevitable injury. Well, come on, there's an inevitable injury when Marcus Smart really happened rolling. It did. Bradley definitely, you know, that's how Rozier got his got his chance in the postseason. Well, right, but it was, you know, not... And Marcus Smart went down for a stretch. Rozier just wasn't ready then. Evan Turner got those minutes. Right. I mean, I, there there needs to be... I think, I still believe there needs to be a move to clear up some of that. I don't know, I don't know how it happens. I think they still need... If they could get a young big, I think that's where you try to, to focus your attention. I mean... Looking at Utah right now, they got Trey Lyles. They got you know watching them play uh, the Celtics here tonight. They got Trey Lyles. They got Gobert. They've got Derek Favors. I mean, what are they going to do? They've got to make some choices. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's got to be a big out there that they can put on this roster and pair them with what they've got. Pair them with Horford. Pair them with Olenek. Pair them with Amir Johnson. And who knows what happens with Sullinger? I there has to be a move though, and they've got to open it up. But there's one thing before before we I just want to put a bow on this conversation. The big name right now is what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook, and I want to know from you. To me, a top five player. To me, a guy who changes your roster. Now, there's questions about Russ. There's questions about whether or not he's, he's a player that can lead you to the promised land. But is he the is he the type of player that would cause you to change your opinion and maybe go out and get a top five player in the league like Westbrook and you know maybe go for something a little bit more immediate? What do you think? I love the story behind it. I, you know, having Westbrook come to Boston, maybe you put a couple of pieces together. Maybe Jalen Brown just hops that learning curve like nobody's business. You know, all the dream scenarios. Maybe you also get Butler. Right? Maybe there's a way to get, somehow you pull off some crazy, weird, wacky, wild stuff. Right, But at the end of the day, um, I still don't think it's a good idea. I think we're better off biding our time, and I think the, the, there's a red flag there 
for why Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City. And that red flag, although I, I listen to the Rain and Jays too, and you know John had an interesting point, which is throw it all at the owner. And certainly there's no love for, uh, and yeah. his name is escaping me, but there's Played no better. love. Yeah, right, Clay Bennett. There's no love for Clay. Yeah. You know, definitely not in Seattle. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, uh I agree with with the basic part of his point, which is throw it on him. He didn't give Durant what he needed. But but there's a piece of this story that continues to emerge mm-hmm. that really says it's a lot more about Russ and a lot less about, you know, what happened there. Now, Certainly, if they kept Harden or they'd made the right deals, they spent the money, and they, they didn't lose to the Golden State Warriors, this would all be different. He'd still be there. We all know that. But but still, there's this other piece. There's this other overarching piece about how Russell Westbrook has to control the game. I think he's a horrible match with Brad Stevens, and I think they thought that Brad Donovan was going to be able to reel him in, and he didn't. Now, I think Brad Stevens is a magic maker, you know, or he's, you know, he's he's a magician. But but I'm Boogie and Russell Westbrook have big red flags to me about whether or not they're really going to thrive in the culture, either thrive by. I'm concerned that they would either destroy the culture here or not get on the program and make it really difficult on Brad Stevens. I'd rather pass and get Marcus Smart, who really could be Russell Westbrook with some work. You know, not not Russell Westbrook, but he could he could he could play that similar kind of role. And at least at, through the entire part of the beginning of his career, he's known Brad Stevens and has that relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I and I, I would have some of the not I I don't have any apprehension about Brad Stevens. I know uh, you know there are others who who think that that Brad can't handle a player like that, or I think it's more Brad would prefer to work with players who who view the way view the game the way he does. But talent is talent, and and I think that that would be the overarching uh, issue. And, and I don't think that would prevent um, him from being successful with a guy like Russell Westbrook. I agree with you, though, I mean, ultimately about his ability and, and how much blame you could throw his way. But if you could find a way to get a package where you get a top five player in the league, you have a lot more flexibility in what you do with other players. And when you have a Horford to lock down the inside – and you've got a, a score, a, a, a really a menace on both ends at times. You know, there's a lot you can do with that. And you know, really, until Adams this past year, I suppose you could say Ibaka, but it was a different. It, it, he was more of a flashy shot blocking guy. They never really had that that defensive post kind of solid, you know, positioning type defender like Horford is. And you know that some of the gambling that what Russ does, I think it would benefit him, you know, pretty well. The question is, how much would you have to give up? How much would would Oklahoma City Thunder need too much of a gamble to do that? And, and it is just it's, it's too a gamble much of for a gamble. Us. It's a gamble for us because he's a free agent next summer too. So no, he'd have to he'd have to sign an extension. But you know what? We should take this to our guest. We we need to. This is all the all the discussion points that we need to hear. Uh, from Chad. So so let's bring him on the line. Chad Finn from the Boston Globe. Welcome back to Celtic Stuff Live. How are you, my man? 
I'm good. It's uh, the never-ending NBA season, so uh, we've always got something to talk about here, uh, for better or worse, I guess. And uh, uh, I, I, for one, can't wait for the new season to start here, even though we've got, uh, what, uh, another five months till October, another four months till October. But uh, the new cycle never ends with the Celtics and everybody else. Yeah, and you would think that because of this big move that there may be a lot more juggling to go in the off season. I know we're always going to hit that that August September doldrums. It's it's always it's always the way it's going to be. But July could continue to be somewhat exciting, I think. And I know we have the summer league, but John will tell you that before we brought you on the line, um, I've been salty and sour and uh, really out of my element. And I'm just going to go right to uh, your your quote, not, not your most recent article from tonight, but earlier today. And I'm going to kick it off with this. And, and maybe we can put the Durant, maybe you can help me put the Durant decision behind me and begin to look forward. I, I am excited about the Celtics team. I don't think they did anything wrong as an organization. And, and kudos to getting Horford to being in the conversation. And all those things are real from a Celtics-centric. But from a league standpoint, I think this quote from you really sums up my biggest concern, which is, teams in this league sell either excellence or hope, but what hope is there to sell when one franchise can hoard four of the league's best players? I mean, honestly, Chad, talk me down off the cliff. Talk, talk me down, extend a ladder, and, uh, and, and tell me why you're excited for next season to start, if it could, tomorrow. Well, I, I'm not one of the warrior haters. Uh, this seemed to be sort of a tipping point with them this year where they were the uh, kind of a plucky underdog and then went on to win the title last year. And then this year they were just the, one of the great stories in sports with their, what, 24-0 star. The uh, Celtics, I think, being the 25th win before they went and lost to Milwaukee. It was uh, something you followed every day. And, and they have charismatic, seemingly likable players. Um, it was a fun thing, but the, the, there came to be a point, I think, where they started to feel some backlash. I don't know if those people thought Draymond Green was a little out of control or Curry was cocky or whatever it was. I, I never got that. Uh, it never, never hit me that way. But uh, now, after Durant chooses them and chooses to uh, join the team he didn't beat, um, you know, a heartbreaking seven-game loss to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, uh, and he, he he ditches Oklahoma City to go out there. Uh, they are no longer the plucky underdogs. They're the uh, heavy favorite every <laughs> bit as much as uh, LeBron's Heat teams were when he joined them after the decision. And uh, it's going to be a shift in in perception for them. That it's going to be. I'm interested to see how they handle it. I, I love watching them play. I love uh, uh, the great shooting. Uh, they're in my mind, they are either the second or third most interesting team I've ever seen behind the 86 and mid-80s Celtics and probably the Lakers teams from that same era. Uh, Golden State's up there with them to me, even though they didn't win the title this year. And it's going to be fascinating to me to see how they implement Durant in this because somebody's going to lose shots. Uh, if it's Draymond Green who loses shots, you're going to hear about it. If it's Clay Thompson who loses shots, uh, that's a waste because he's an exceptional player himself. Maybe Curry uh, ceases to take the 28-footer off the crossover now and becomes a little bit more of a playmaker in certain situations. But 
in terms of your question, anticipating the season ahead, looking forward to it, uh, with them, I want to see how this works. And uh, the, the, the the local aspect, the regional aspect with us is, I feel great about the Celtics. It's a, it's a bummer they didn't get Durant. Uh, I think Evan Turner, uh, because he's sort of this weird, amal- weird amalgam of, of skills, is maybe being underestimated as a loss, but he's a hard guy to replace, uh, at least initially, unless Rogero steps up as a signing in there. Uh, but they have Al Horford. They have uh, a core of really good, likable young players coming back there, Brad Stevens. Uh, I feel like the ascent is going to continue with them, and I, I want to see I want to see Al Horford uh, on the court with his defensive ability, with Smart, and with Bradley, and with Jay Crowder. I want to see this team again, and uh, you know, training camp and and uh, the October tip off the season. That's not soon enough for me. I'm ready. I'm ready for this league to get going, even though there's still some key free agents and still some moves out there to be made. Yeah, and you know what? This will just tell you how horribly off my game I am. I just quoted <laughs> Howard Beck, and what I meant to do was then quote your counterpoint, which is there's a subsection of fans who are already conceding and dismissing the season that I can't wait to see tip off, and I don't get it. The Warriors aren't assured of anything beyond having an awesome lineup on opening night. And that that uh, you know that that was the quote I was trying to go for in response to Howard Beck's quote, which is, you know, listen, there's a lot of reasons to be excited still. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm 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 definitely still in the camp that I think I think this that I think the Warriors are going to win lots of championships, uh, mostly because they're unlike the other super teams. Most of these guys are fairly unselfish. And, yeah. and I think adding somebody like Durant actually works in this scenario without a whole lot of, you know, finagling and figuring it out. And I said this to John before. I was like, you add Westbrook to that roster, it's a mess. But you add Durant, and I think it's going to oh, yeah. flow smoothly. But you're right. You never know what injuries are going to happen. It's never a foregone conclusion. If health stays, though, I think they're in a, in a really good position. But... You're right. I guess, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. And we hear about a lot of, you know, you're you're talking about, hey, there's still some deals to be made. There's still some things that could happen. This roster is probably what? You think Celtics, if healthy, again, that's kind of the, the asterisk to all conversations. But if healthy, you think they're 55 wins? I think uh, Kevin Pelton's prediction was 53, but I'd almost put him at 55. Yeah, low 50s. I'll, I'll say 54 and split the difference. Um, still, Ainge is going to do something else. I mean, we've got cap room there. I don't know who it is, but uh, you, know, you see various things. Everybody's floating Westbrook uh, possibilities today. That's a, that's a sports radio hot topic. But, um, you know, this talk that Jimmy Butler still might be available, that Okafor, who I don't want anything to do with, uh, you know, he's a, he's a higher end Sollinger to me, slightly higher end Sollinger. Um, he might be available. So, uh, Ainge, you know, Ainge, he's poking around, uh, seeing what else is there and probably thinking of things that never crossed our mind. Um, as to your point for the Warriors, well, first of all, I never remember what I've written anyway. So as, as far as I was concerned, I wrote what you said. So could have totally fooled me there. But, uh, as far as the Warriors are concerned, I, one, uh, slip from Steph Curry on the, you know, Monty Junis's butt sweat on the floor and it's, uh, suddenly you're back to the big three again and everything's up in the air. I mean, uh, they've been remarkably healthy. Uh, Curry hurt tweaking his knee and missing a few playoff games, but, 
Uh, Green hasn't really been hurt these last two years. Clay Thompson's been really durable. Um, and one of the things that got them in the end was losing Andrew Bogut. Well, they've lost Andrew Bogut now, and their center, Pachulia, at least for the moment, is older than Bogut. So uh, I don't know who the rebounder is on this team. This is all minor nitpicking things, but it's just it's to the point to say that uh, anyone who's giving Golden State the title because they signed Kevin Durant yesterday, well, they haven't learned from history, first of all. Uh, it didn't happen uh, immediately with the, with the LeBron's Heat teams. It takes a while these guys to mash it will mash easier in golden state because like you said they are a, a more unselfish group but what happens when some guy gets uh yeah draymond green goes three games in a row with uh, no more than eight shots and any up and there may be uh maybe some uh, speed bumps along the road there that we're not foreseeing right now i, I can't wait to see this group and i don't think it's going to be the cakewalk to the championship that Everybody thinks it is. I, I, if I did that, I'd say they do win it, but I don't think it's a, a steamroll. I mean, you look out there right now. How's LeBron feeling today? He just beat these guys for the title. Uh, Kyrie Irving stepped up big time to the point where he's a legitimate uh, Batman to LeBron's Robin now. Uh, and and suddenly the Cavs are the underdogs. Everybody's going to forget that they won the title. So. Uh, I wouldn't dismiss him uh, coming back and doing it once more against this Warriors super team, and I wouldn't dismiss somebody else rising. I don't think it's quite this year for the Celtics. It would have been if they'd gotten Durant. It might be if they swung a deal for Westbrook, but um, Golden State's path is uh, is not absolutely certain to, to bring home that second, uh, second trophy in three years. See, this is why I like you, Chad, because you just – Get it. <laughs> and, and you agree with everything I was saying about 10 minutes ago. So. <laughs> but no, but, you're, no, but, but we you're, knew uh, that yeah. that was going to happen. I'm with you, man. And this is why this is why we always have Chad on, because he's a smart man, a fellow Mainer. I know you are too, Justin, but you're just off the ledge on this. And, uh, you know, when us Mainers <laughs> get together, we know ball. And uh, so, anyway. Um, but, no, I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be some issues. And I, I also I'm not dismissing the idea that these issues could cause a, a level of of such I don't know if it's it's really uh, critique or criticism, but but such a high level of of pressure on this Golden State Warriors team. Both of their best players are going to be free agents this summer, this coming right. summer, and something goes wrong. You know we've got. You know, as you said, we talk about Bogut leaving. We talk about Zeely's going to be gone, and you know, David West didn't really do anything for the for the Spurs this year at all. Um, you know, you look at all these things, and it, it seems on the outside it looks great. But how many years did uh, the New York Jets win the offseason championship? And last <laughs> I checked, they haven't won since Joe Namath. And yeah, it's a different sport. I get it, but you know what I'm saying. The point is, they got to play the games and. I think that we can look at, at past history, looking at the Heat, looking at even the 08 Celtics, who once they got to the playoffs, they had some, some tough runs, that it's not as easy. Even the Cleveland Cavaliers of last two years ago, I guess now, they, they ran into some hard times. It's going to be tough. The expectations are never higher. They've won 73 games, right? Um, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, what sort of things – if they become this top tier team, 
what do the how do the other teams respond? Do you think that they go the route of you know we're just not going to be able to compete and want to sell assets and try to tank, or do you think it's going to be well you know anything can happen? Let's just you know roll our guys out there and try it again because there's a lot of teams in the West that are good, but maybe could you know really cut loose some players and and that could certainly you know benefit Danny Ainge and the Celtics. Yeah, it's interesting because there does seem to be sort of a changing of the guard there below the Warriors in the West. I mean, the one legitimate competitor for them that was won this year as well, even though I think they they fell short of the West Finals and they're expecting to get there, is obviously the Spurs. Uh, won 67 games last year. Uh, added Pau Gasol, who, who uh, stylistically has always been a perfect fit for them. He'll probably help even though he's, what, 36 now. Uh, you don't know if Duncan's back. Ginobili's coming back to get the kid point guard from Washington to to get to spell Parker uh, a little bit in the uh, during the regular season. So uh, those guys aren't going to back down from the Warriors, even with Durant. Uh, and but 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 below them, I, I see where you're coming from. We don't know what the Thunder are now. I mean, theoretically, they could be a pretty good team with Westbrook, Stephen Adams, Oladipo. Uh, a pretty deep, a relatively deep team, but they're not a contender anymore. Uh, we we've, we saw the death knell for the Thunders at 11:40 uh, for the Thunder at 11:45 on the Players Tribune yesterday. Uh, so the question there is whether they deal Westbrook, like you suggest, and say uh, a team that starts fresh or um, decides that they're just going to sort of be in the middle in the West for a while, or at least for the year until Westbrook walks away. Uh, the Clippers, they're not winning anything. They've got uh, a great core, uh, but they couldn't fit Durant in without breaking up that core. And, and you know, Wesley Johnson's back. Austin Rivers is back. Uh, it, it's a thin uh, thin bench. Uh, Doc, the, the GM, hasn't helped Doc the coach out to use a, a stupid phrase we hear around here sometime about, uh, sometimes about Belichick. Uh, that team uh, isn't winning, winning anything of substance, and maybe they'll realize that. Maybe they won't. Probably not. But they certainly seem like a team that should be dealing for assets and trying to load up and, and get something, especially for Griffin, who's had injury and personality uh, problems here for the last couple of years while they can. But, uh, yeah, the Golden State's, uh, Golden State's ahead of the class. Uh, in the league, obviously because of Durant, and there's a second tier with the Cavs, who are the defending champs and have the, the best player in the world, so you can't write them off for sure. Uh, the Spurs are there as a true contender as well. It wouldn't completely shock me if they knocked out the Warriors at some point, especially if the Warriors were beat up, but uh, everybody else, it seems like, is fighting for that to, for that four spot, and with the East, uh, Celtics have as good a chance as anybody, I think, uh, of uh, slipping in there and being one of the final four teams in the league as a Eastern Conference Finals. And it, I, you, when we had you on last time, Chad, of course, it was not long after we had come back on the air, and, and you were, uh, you know, really kind of really out there and, and supporting the idea of giving up some assets at the deadline to, to trade for Al Horford. Well, thankfully for both of us, they didn't have to do that, although had they, they probably would have easily cruised into the second round and maybe further in the playoffs. I, what does Al Horford on this team, what we know of it right now, what does he do? Yeah. And and does he necessitate Ainge, the fact that he was able to get, you know, Ainge was able to get Horford to come in. Does, does Ainge now need to add more ready 
to to compete players around him? Or would you prefer to maybe wait and and keep the flexibility going for at least another year? Yeah, I, I would hang on to the flexibility. I'm uh, I want those Brooklyn picks here uh, this this year's, especially in seventeen when you you can flip it uh, because this is apparently a loaded freshman class coming into college basketball. And I, I know those out the guys are going to help you win the 2017, 2018 NBA title, but uh, that's, that's where cornerstone franchise players are coming from. And I, I still want to see the Celtics get one of those guys and develop him themselves. Uh, maybe Jalen Brown is one of those guys. Maybe he's something slightly lesser than that, but uh, I, I'm not trading uh, those two picks, certainly not the, the closer one here since it looks like Brooklyn's going to be horrendous this season, uh, just to go out and take a, a, a lottery shot at, at Russell Westbrook and hope that uh, he likes Boston and, and uh, uh, decides to stay here uh, after you know his contract expires in a year. I don't want to see them do anything like that. I'm okay with Horford at 31 years old next season. Uh, being essentially your elder statesman with uh, uh, guys like uh, Crowder and, and Isaiah Thomas sort of growing into the secondary leadership roles and, and uh, letting this group of players sort of develop together. I mean, it, it, Horford, it's going to be a real litmus test with fans with him because I think guys like you who watch the NBA and uh, are familiar with the way the Celtics do things and uh, know that a good player is and judge entirely by his uh, points, rebounds, assist totals. Uh, there's going to be an element of fans who looks at Horford and sees 16 points and nine rebounds and says, they're paying this guy $113 million. How can they do that? But uh, if you watch the Celtics every night and you watch Al Horford and he's 97% of what he's been for the Hawks all these years, uh, you're going to love him. He's going to be one of those guys who appeals to you more and more uh, the more you see him. And, uh, to to a degree, that's how the Celtics are too. You get attached to them the more you see them. You, you might not love Avery Bradley if you're sort of a casual fan and turn the game on and uh, he's got 10 points and two assists and five rebounds and a steal. But if you watch Avery Bradley play defense every night, you see Avery Bradley defend Curry when they play the Warriors, defend Westbrook, or uh, see him work in tandem with, with Crowder or work in tandem with Smart and just give him this hellacious uh, bees nest of a defense. You, you fall for these guys and Horford is one of those guys that the fans are, who are more than casual about this team are really going to love. Uh, they could go out and trade for Kevin Love, and he could come in here and average 24 and 12 next year. I think so last year Minnesota averaged 26 and 12. Uh, he could come in and do that, and people say, oh, look, they got a 2010 guy like they need. I'll, I'll take Al Horford over him, and Al Horford's not going to be a 2010 guy. He's going to be that 15 and 8, 15 and 9 guy who does a million little things to help you win basketball games. He'll get the block or the rebound at the key moment. He'll make the step up defensively. He's a terrific passer for a big guy, which they don't really have in the roster uh, right now. He's added the three point element to his game. Uh, all these things to really, he, he's, he's been a, a guy who is in a winning culture in college, winning two national titles, and someone who is regarded as pointing the right way for the Hawks as they've become better team last couple of years and had a really good team two years ago. So uh, there's a lot to like about Al Horford. I don't know that it's going to be really obvious to people who are just sort of tuning in at the beginning of the year, but uh, if you're familiar with him, you probably love him already. And if you watch his team beginning to end next year, he's going to be one of your favorites by the end. Well, and you know, you look at somebody like Amir Johnson, Amir Johnson, 
who, you know, obviously finished the season with probably his strongest level of play. Yeah. But that's another guy who they got as a high-character player who they're likely to pick up his option now that the Durant decision's been made. There's only one more year left. They retain flexibility next year. But another high-character guy to fill in that front court. And yep. the both of them doing a lot of those little things will be nice, especially if, if we do keep Amir healthy throughout the season. The only knock that's really out there is the rebounding, but that's not uncommon for the Celtics over the most recent, you know, sort of uh, machination. They've they've struggled to have one single solid rebounder that wasn't a guard uh, right. for quite a while. And uh, but but Jared Sullinger is the exception of that rule, but also a very polarizing uh, character for the fan base as well. And I wonder, you know. I think for certain Horford moves into the starting lineup ahead of Sullinger if they did keep him. But do you think Sullinger's days are numbers are numbered? Um, I know they're going to do the qualifying offer, but it's not like we're hearing about all kinds of money that's about to be thrown at him yet either. Yeah, I mean the money's out there. Uh, you know, all it takes is one team to say. Uh, you, you, I think everybody heard Angel's quote. You you look at what the salaries are and divide them by two, and that's what's what. Re- was reasonable back in the old days, but because of the cap uh, and uh, the TV money, the $24 billion in TV money that teams are uh, spreading around now, that uh, a guy like Sondra team might just say, ah, the hell with it. Let's, uh, he could help us with, uh, you know, 10 and 7, 10.7 rebounds and uh, has great hands and has a uh, good post presence and all these things and say, what the heck, let's throw a few bucks at him and see if Ainge matches. And, uh, yeah, all it takes is one. Maybe somebody does that. I haven't heard anything about it, about a particular team having interest. But uh, I would like to see him back. I, I would like to see him back in a role where they're not relying on him because he's he, he and Big Baby Davis, the only two guys I've ever seen put on weight during the season. You know, essentially when they're running three, four, <laughs> five miles a night during a game, and yet uh, they look bigger every time you see them. Uh, but he looks great right now. It looks like he's in really good shape, and uh, apparently maybe he's mature enough now to know what's at stake, and uh, they're going to get the best out of Solinger. But I like him as a bench player. I just don't want him to be somebody you're counting on. And uh, having Horford here, there, you know, looks like Durebko will be back as well, and you, you've also got a limit in Amir Johnson. Uh, maybe Solinger is a guy you don't have to depend on, and you, you, you run him out there, uh, you know, with the second unit in the first quarter or start of second quarter and if he doesn't have it you don't see much of him again for the rest of the night but uh, he is a useful player and uh, we'll see if some other team decides that he's more useful than the Celtics think he is yeah I, it'll be interesting to see how those secondary restricted free agent market how that materializes I mean we certainly Barnes we know what's going to happen there with, with Durant leaving but or, or coming to Golden State but you really haven't heard a lot about those restricted, a lot of those restricted free agents so far, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, with you know Durant coming back on the market and Curry coming in on the market and and Blake Griffin and, and on and on and on next summer, will teams really want to give up their their chance, even with the cap going up another you know fifteen twenty million dollars next summer, you know, right. to commit big money to. to you know, a guy like Jared Sullinger, that may take you out of the ability to bring in one of those guys. So, uh, interesting to see how that how that shakes out. Um, and, and I think you know, I want to 
you know, looking. I think there's a great point that you made in terms of the other guys there because yeah, I remember talking a lot about this when Al Jefferson was here. You know, it'd be like if Al had somebody next to him, you know, who could cover up some of some of his mistakes. I mean, how good did Big, Big Baby look because he was playing next to Kevin Garnett? And I'm not saying right. Yeah, Al would have been great next to Garnett. That would have been perfect pairing. Exactly. You know, or and I wonder, you know, the same thing for Al Horford. With some of these guys, whether it's a Linux or whether it's you know Sullinger, how much can Al Horford clean up from their mistakes? I, I, I suspect quite a few, you know, and I, I think that might he might be that kind of solidifying force to play 30 minutes a night or so that allows the the other guys to kind of find their role and fill in, um, you know, because to me that front court, I don't know about you, but that's the biggest question. I, while there's a lot of guards and a lot of guards that that can play. Still not really feeling great about who has, is in which role with that front court going into next year. Yeah, I'm curious to see if Stevens goes with like a, a really small lineup. I mean, Turner was involved with that this year playing at the forward. But uh, if there were times where he goes Horford, Crowder, Smart, Bradley, and Isaiah, because uh, it's not a big group. It's probably not a great rebounding group with, with Crawford at the four. But, I mean, uh, Crowder at the four, but it's uh, – it's a tremendous energy group, and it's a tremendous defensive group with four of the guys anyway, and you can just almost let Isaiah be the, the freelancer looking to steal like Rondo used to do. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot of opportunity f- uh, for creativity here with Horford uh, uh, and with the versatility that they have in the backcourt. I, I'm curious if there's another big that they bring in, if there's somebody they go out to, that we're not thinking about and try to find. I know Horford's preference, he said in the past, is to play the four, but uh, I guess he's pretty clearly the five in this group, depending what you think of Amir Johnson as being and whether, you know, Horford and Olenek will be on the floor together. So I don't know, but uh, it it certainly looks like uh, they could at least have a, a pretty great defensive group of those, that group of guys. Yeah, you kind of touched upon my next line of questioning. I was thinking after the way Jarebko, Swedish Larry Bird, played against Atlanta uh, after Sully really did fall off the map. I mean, he put, he got some rebounds, and I know part of it was the matchup against the Hawks, and it sort of suits that athleticism that Jarebko presents. But they still have a little bit of issue with being able to really shoot the rock from beyond the arc and clear the lanes for Isaiah Thomas. And I'd even like to see more of those backdoor cuts from Avery Bradley come back because those have been gone since they've not been able to space the floor with shooters in the front court as much. And you mentioned Horford. You know, He said in the past he doesn't want to play center. Maybe in, in Stevens' hybrid system it's not as bad because the things they'll ask him to do is still very much what he's accustomed to in playing the four, but because of the way the league has changed, um, you know, he'll be technically at the five, but he'll be playing more like a four. But I must wonder, does, do you think Jarebko, as, as the former elder statements, uh, statesman prior to Horford's arrival, deserves some run at the four alongside Horford, and, and would that space things out nicely for for those guards that are all clearly attacking guards even Jalen Brown at the wing if he gets any minutes would clear a lot of room and he said after the first summer league game that the space is incredible compared to what he's used to yeah that's entirely possible I mean with Horford it's going to be all about utilization he's a tremendous passer uh you've mentioned the Bradley cut the little curl cut they used to do with him and uh 
Horford's a tremendous passer to cutters. We saw it a million times in, in the uh, playoff series this year. Where he, there was one, one of the later games where he made a beautiful pass to Kyle Korver, of all people, kind of down the lane. And uh, that's going to really fit with, with, the, with, the, with the Celtics, too. But as far as Jarebko goes, I love Jarebko. I, I, I think he's average at absolutely everything. And that's not an insult. It's like he's, a, he's an average shooter three-point shooter, he's an average rebounder, he's a pretty good passer, pretty good defensive player, and uh, you put him on the court, and he's not going to screw things up for you. And every now and then, he uh, might submit one of those 10-point, eight-rebound, three-assist, big block, and uh, makes a couple athletic plays. Uh, I-, I like having him around, and he knows his role, and uh, there's a market for him, too. I think it was Zach Lowe wrote that if he hit the market, he'd probably make 10, $10 million bucks a year, which... Uh, still sounds like a lot of money to me. Uh, I, I guess it's not by today's NBA standards, but uh, it, it sounds like a lot of money. And I, it, it would go to show that Jarebko is a guy who, again, has come to Boston and uh, really rebuilt his value after uh, after sort of languishing in, with the Pistons uh, on their bench after the injuries and so forth. But uh, you know, he'd be another one of those guys like Turner, uh, like how Jordan Crawford back uh, in Stevens' first season where it looked like it was a really flawed player, a player on the downside, and, and uh, the Celtics found a way to utilize him that really emphasized his best skills. And to me, uh, is a guy who has a lot of skills. There's nothing he does exceptionally, but there's nothing he does poorly either. And uh, that's a very, very useful player in, in, in today's NBA, and especially on a team like the Celtics that likes to do so many different things offensively. Absolutely, and, and yeah, I mean the Evan Turner deal. I mean, seventy-five million over four years, or seventy million over four years. You know, talking about that—that's a great endorsement of what Brad Stevens can do, and, and perhaps yep. it allows them to be a bit more of a a target for an agent or a player looking to restart their value. You know, who was willing to play ball with the Celtics need to retain flexibility for next summer. Big money, short contract. Uh, you know, I don't, you're not going to find that on the restricted market, but but for someone who's an actual free agent, I think there's there's some possibilities there. Um, what what do you think about in terms of this roster construction? And you know, Terry Rozier has played quite well through two years, two games of summer league. He played well in the playoffs. You know, and you mentioned it early on. I think about. You know, need to find a role for him, perhaps whether it's to the Evan Turner, maybe some of his minutes. And how do you think that is? Does do they need to make a trade to start to open up some space, even to you know, as a to allow for someone like R.J. Hunter or I'm not even going to say James Young, but R.J. Hunter <laughs> to to be you know the fourth or fifth guard. Someone gets hurt, R.J. can get ten minutes, and maybe he can build his his career there. Do they need to make a trade? To just to do that, or is that just something, you know, we were talking about will injuries really just find their way to allow those players to either succeed or, or maybe move on and find their success elsewhere? I like the competition of it right now that uh, you've got, uh, you know, the two first-round picks last year, Rosarian Hunter and, and James Young from two years ago, was a two or three feels like he's been here forever now yeah. but, uh, and done nothing. It feels like he's been the Red Claws for five years. That's what it feels like. <laughs> but, uh, I like the competition where the young guys, to, to, to get anything resembling legitimate minutes, they're going to have to go out and earn it. And 
I think there's still a window here where you don't necessarily have to trade one of them yet. It's when uh, the guys they drafted this year, um, you know, uh, Yabaselli or uh, uh, Zizek, uh, when, if he comes over, when he comes over, you start having a roster crunch, not just the, the guard positions, but uh, overall because you have the rights to so many players. That, that may be when it's uh, a guy like Young or a guy like Hunter should be worried, but uh, – uh, right now, no, I, I think that I, I, I don't think there's enough value there to make them appealing in a bigger deal other than maybe Rozier. Um, so I, I think it's just one more year of hopeful growth from these guys, unless there's one they're just ready to give up on, which would obviously be James Young. Um, otherwise, though, I, I think that there's still that small window, that slight window here of, uh, of the summer and maybe one more season where you find out if, uh, if there's anything that they're going to have to offer. And, you know, two of those guys are going into their second season. Theoretically, you make your biggest leap between year one and two. You're acclimated to the NBA. You know the lifestyle. You know what's expected of you. And uh, that is when you're supposed to take that big step forward. And, I, yeah, Rozier played minutes in the, the Hawks series last year. I mean, it was because Bradley was out. But uh, beginning of the year, it seemed like Hunter was going to be the kid who got the time. And, uh, we still had fairly high hopes for James Young at that point, and Rozier looked like the one who was lost. And then by the end of the year, he looked like the uh, it wasn't exceptional, but you could see what they like about him is his incredible uh, quickness and athleticism. Uh, you and uh, I, I think there was reason for encouragement with him, and uh, that carries over to this summer. You want to see him keep taking those steps forward. But to me, he's the guy who has a chance to step up here and take those Turner minutes that are now vacated. And I know you haven't had a chance to uh, to watch the game this tonight. Uh, Chad was on the road, so thankfully he was not watching while he was while he was driving. But uh, you know the fact that you know they've cut you know Demetrius Jackson, another one of these live wire guards, six one. He also he's showing a lot of the same stuff we saw from Rozier a year ago. And yeah, you know, similar. It, it, they know. If nothing else, Denny Age knows how to find one type of player and do really well with that. Um, the swing yeah. player position, we're going to see. Hopefully, uh, you know, Jalen Brown works out. But, uh, boy, I mean, if, it's almost like a, there's a factory. He he just orders another one in the draft every year. It's, it's unbelievable. And I think Jackson's a guy that not only could do well in, in Maine, but I think he could be a third guard on this team if there is a trade. They've, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, he seems like somebody who's going to have an NBA career, which uh, where they get him 45, 42, 45, yeah. was in that range. Uh, that That's a find. And, you know, people like the Bento pick, too, uh, down there at 51. So uh, there's a lot in this organization beyond in the Celtics organization beyond the, the first dozen roster spots. So they've got some talent, and uh, it's up to these guys to seize the opportunity because if they don't, they're not going to be here particularly long this uh, the, the term everybody uses and Ainge uses, and for obvious reasons, is assets. Uh, some of these assets have been transformed into NBA players now, and we're going to start finding out uh, whether they're legitimate or whether they're not. But um, from what I've seen from a lot of them, uh, there are things to like, and, and this is going to be a huge developmental year for the second-year guys. It's going to be a, uh, an important year for the rookies to find out if they can play at this level. Uh, to get that clue whether or not they can play at this level. And uh, they're doing all of this with all these young players with a roster that's already uh, at the top is uh, pretty well established. So 
it's a good place to be. You'd like to see them be able to trade five of them for one superstar, but that's not really how it works. You just have to kind of hope Ainge can seize the opportunities when a star player becomes available, whether it's Butler or Griffin or somebody like that. And in the meantime, keep using these draft picks to get guys who are, are going to help the cause if they end up being long-term Celtics. And, you know, it's, it's a bummer they didn't get Durant. Uh, it's a great thing they got Horford. And uh, overall, I think you have to feel really good about what the Celtics are right now and uh, uh, where they're headed and uh, there's still things to be done this offseason. So never gets boring. No, it definitely doesn't. And, you know, I'm going to hark back to the beginning of the interview and just say, you know, I think there's a major case to be made for sitting tight on these picks and really developing a, a core youth for the future. And I also agree with you. I like the competition there. I can't yeah. tell you how much I appreciate you getting my mind out of the past <laughs> and focused on the future. And, and we'll, another, we're going to end, we'll end on this last one. It's another common theme on the show that's emerged in recent weeks, but it, it had to do with draft night. We haven't talked to you since then. And there was a, a lot of debate and a lot of immediate negative response to Jalen Brown. But John will tell you that Jalen Brown was my pick. Probably the guy I wanted the most, maybe three or four weeks, I'd set my mind, my sights on him as, as a guy I hope they got if they didn't trade the pick. And then, lo and behold, that's what happened. I finally got a chance to see him play some minutes you know, in summer league, but he misses tonight, and and we're actually just finding out on Twitter now that they are gonna do uh, they are gonna do an evaluation of the knee. They're saying it's just precautionary, so hopefully that's the case. Um, would hate, yeah, hopefully would hate for him not to be able to get reps heading up into the season. I th- I mean, I think he has a chance to provide you know uh, some 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 fair minutes off the bench in a role and I think they can uh, I think they can plug him in but I kind of wanted to get your take on him I, I know everybody wants to knock the shooting but we just talked about these guards that Ainge has typically drafted that he's had a lot of luck with and if you want to say you know Jalen Brown fits that mold but in a wing position I think it would be fair because a lot yeah. of these guards can't shoot and they're super athletic and they're quick and they got a great first step and so he's almost extending his model to the wing position with Jalen Brown. Do you, do you think that the, the shooting should be a huge knock, or do you think you know guys like Jamal Murray you know, tie a little bit closer to the potential downfall of somebody like James Young? Um, I think shooting, it's not an easy thing to learn, but it's the easiest thing to learn in the, at the NBA level if you have the work ethic. You can't learn the physical ability. You can't learn the uh, at just the pure athletic skill set and coordination and speed and jumping ability you need to be an NBA player. Uh, but you can teach yourself to shoot with the reps. And uh, look at the all-time three-pointers list for for evidence that Jason Kidd's fifth all-time, right? And uh, he, 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 had, uh, he had probably the ugliest form of any guard in league history, but he figured out how to do it. Uh, you know, they said Magic Johnson couldn't shoot back in the day, and he couldn't, but he could shoot when they needed him to. Uh, if you put the work in, you can learn to do it. And it's not just at that level. You go back. Everybody said the Celtics needed shooting. When they talked about the Celtics needed shooting in the dra- needing shooting in the draft, they said, take Buddy Heald. He can shoot. Buddy Heald shot 23% as a freshman at Oklahoma from three when he was Jalen Brown's age, when he was 19 years old. Chris Dunn, I think it was around 30%. He averaged seven points a game as a freshman at, at Providence. And then missed most of his sophomore year. Jalen Brown hit 34% of his threes as a 19-year-old at Cal on a team that was 
uh, fairly dysfunctional with nothing to do with him. Um, that's not terrible. He'll, he, if he puts in the work, he'll get better at that. And uh, he looks to me like a kid who, who really, uh, he's a high energy guy who seems to really enjoy playing basketball and kind of pissed me off that the knock on him was that he was intelligent. Like that's a bad thing. He, he, he questions idiot coaches. That's a, that's a negative. I don't think we need to worry about that with, with him and Brad Stevens. And uh, uh, I, I'm really intrigued to see this kid. I, I think he's going to be a good fit. And I think all the people are saying, well, you could have traded down to eight to get him. and know what they were talking about. I, I trust Danny Ainge's player evaluations. Uh, I trust the staff. And if they thought he was the best thing available at three and didn't have a deal to, to get lower, take the guy you like. Take the guy you like. And uh, if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. Don't regret it. Yeah, yeah you, you won't regret. It. You won't regret it. So, um, you know, I, I I like the pick. He's going to spell Jay Crowder a little bit and give them uh, that effort and athleticism when Crowder's off, which they didn't have last year. Uh, I feel really good about this kid. Hopefully, his knee's okay because uh, having seen five minutes of his summer league game the other night, I'm convinced he's going to be a contributor <laughs> this year. Yeah, yeah, he he brings something to the table that isn't there. That athleticism, that just that raw attacking mentality, especially with Horford around. And mm-hmm. if they did have somebody like Jarevko, like it, you know, just something to spread that floor out. I agree with you. We'll, we'll, we'll close on this. I just want to say, I agree with you a hundred percent. The way that people reacted to his intelligence was disgusting. It really, you know, maybe the way I'm reacting to rant is not, uh, <laughs> not great, but I will say that the way people reacted to the idea that Jalen Brown being intelligent was a negative is the most ludicrous thing ever. It was how he got these uh, Rajon Rondo comparisons. You know, likes to play chess, smart right. guy, has other interests. Those, But since you've seen him on, I have not interviewed Jalen Brown, but I interviewed Rajon Rondo. And just watching Jalen Brown do the interviews, you can see that they're two totally different characters. Right. Well, Rondo pissed off his coaches and uh, Tubby Smith at Kentucky because, he didn't do what the coach wanted with Brown from everything I I've heard and understand it's because he asked questions. And if you're an idiot coach and he's questioning you and he's right, you're going to feel small. Uh, but if you're a coach who's competent and has uh, self-confidence and uh, isn't trying to blow, uh, you know, smoke uh, up uh, whatever and, and uh, uh, selling something that doesn't exist, you're going to be fine. And, and we, we know Brad Stevens is the ultimate uh uh, bright coach who's sort of low-key and, and uh, honest with his players, and uh, they all like him for that and respect him for that. And uh, Jalen Brown's going to be the same way. I think it'll be a really good match there, actually. Uh, Stevens is not the guy who's going to take offense to a player asking him questions because he wants to learn about something. He's not the coach who's going to take offense because he feels like he's being second-guessed by this young 19-year-old punk uh, he's gonna he's gonna embrace that and he's gonna get the most out of Brown just like he does with so many other players and I like the pick I'm glad they made the pick and I'm looking forward to seeing him play here. Amen. A great cultural fit with these Boston Celtics. Chad Finn, yep. everybody from the Boston Globe, just killing it. Definitely, I I I think I sound calmer. John, do I sound calmer? I th- I think you've you've really found your your moment of zen in all this. <laughs> it's temporary. It's temporary. Yeah, just wait. It Twitter, is. look out, Twitter. <laughs> Chad, you just let me know when I need to uninstall it again. How's that? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Uh, I'll keep my eyes out, too, for uh, for the rage. All right. Thanks a lot, Chad. Great interview. Always good to have you on the show. You bet, guys. Anytime.
All right, Thanks, Chad Kevin. Finn, everybody from the Boston Globe. Always an amazing interview. John, I, I think, well, you know what? I'll, I'll hit up our last real quick sponsor announcement, and then you and I can maybe talk a little bit about Summer League, Summer League before we go. I know we're, we're kind of over, we're into overtime at this point, but that's kind of been the name of the game lately since the draft night show. Uh, but Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for geeks, nerds, comic book lovers, and pop culture aficionados. Uh, for this one, just less than $20 a month, subscribers receive a mystery box containing at least $45 worth of collectibles, figurines, apparel, and memorabilia. Join us as we celebrate the futuristic. We've packed July's crate with items from some of pop culture's favorite prognostications of science and the future. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star, Star Trek, Mega Man, Valiant Comics, and Star Trek, including a model, a figure, and don't forget our monthly tea and pin. Just head over to LootCrate.com backslash CLNS and enter code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. So, John, yeah... I think Chad Chad did calm me down. I still feel strongly about the Durant situation, but I'm ready to move on from it. Uh, I'm ready to remove it from the table, except for the fact that I do think Cleveland is going to try to put a team together to make a run at them, and it will be interesting not only to see other moves to be made now that the Durant piece has fallen into place, because to Chad's point, there's still some things to be done. The major pieces are done. But there's still some things to be done. Maybe major trades are still out there. Uh, I think the Kevin Garnett trade didn't happen until July 31st, so that's there's you know 25 more days in July for something like that to happen. Right. And Butler is apparently still on there. I like what he said about Okafor. I kind of agree with him. I think Okafor is much better than Jared Sullinger, but that's why I had my eyes set on Noel with any kind of a trade. Yeah, you know, I think both would be a huge step up of what the Celtics have, and that's the that's the issue to me is that what we have right now is is a, not a very great front court. I think that there 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 are opportunities for guys to take leaps. Linux, for example, I'm Selinger, I'm I'm just down on in general, but I think there's some possibilities there, but you know, until there's some consolidation, we're going to be fighting that battle. I think that. That would be the biggest step is to see someone, one of those guys, you know, particularly Olenek, I think, to go the next step, sitting next to uh, Horford, fixing some of the issues, protecting the rim. I think that would really put this team into into a whole new stratosphere. Well, let's so let's say this, right? So we have Amir, we have Jarebko, and we have Sully. Mm-hmm. Those are really the three guys. Now, Ugh. which of those three? There's two. There, which of those three matches up best? with Horford, and B, I'm going to add, I'm just going to add a little caveat to that, because it sounded like Chad wanted Sully back, but here's the benefit of Amir and Jarebko, they both only have one more year left, so all that flexibility is still there next summer with Sully, especially uh, if he gets another offer that we have to match, that could be multiple years at a pretty large figure, that's maybe going to cause people even more pause certainly if he just accepted the qualifying offer i think i'm going to say eh, all right all right you know we'll keep him in town it wouldn't be bad to have to chad's point some rebounding and a role coming off the bench but amir and jarebko give us all the flexibility and they're no-brainers to keep i'm sure we'll find out you know in the next couple of days that that their uh their options have been picked up and also 
what a bunch of team players for allowing Danny to extend that just to let things shake out before he made the decision to see how the cap space. But all of those guys want to be back in Boston, but they knew they were going to make money if Boston didn't pick up their option. So that was a pretty loyal sort of understanding thing to do, and it just tells you how much they liked being in with this organization. So let me ask you, of the three, Amir, Jarebko, and Sully, who compliments Horford the best there? Hmm. <sighs> yeah. I know you could say matchups. I know you could say matchups, but yeah, most but, night but most nights, right? Which which do you take? And, and the the truth is, probably I, I don't like any of them as a compliment because I think Horford can do so many different things that any of them can can fit. But I think probably for my benefit. Um, where I'd like to see in terms of where I think the team is playing. I think I think it's Jarebko. I think Jarebko would get more minutes. Maybe maybe he wouldn't start. Maybe you'd go with an Amir and, and Horford to start. But I think, you know, but Olenek, you know, maybe it's Olenek. Maybe Olenek is the guy that stretches the floor. Maybe he's ready to take, take that place on, knowing that he's not going to have to guard centers even regarding you know power forwards. I mean maybe that's the maybe that's the difference there. You know, I think that that's one thing we're going to have to look at is okay, Horford's going to take one guy. Who, you know, is it because Horford's not going to want to play center, so he's going to want to guard the power forwards? I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of mixing and matching, but I I think your love of Jarebko here is starting to catch on with me, and I, you know, he had such a nice play there in, in the in the playoffs. If he can kick off this season, he could have a hold on that starting uh, on at least a huge role in this rotation for a long time to come um, in this coming season. It's sort of a small lineup without going super small. You make a great point about Olenek. He would provide the similar shooting, the same the same floor spacing. He's an excellent passer, but defensively, I think Jarebko is still giving you a little bit more. And I don't mean to knock on Olenek, because as far as I'm concerned, he's already surpassed expectations, almost career-wise, from what I thought he would be able to do defensively. And some of that's because of Brad Stevens and, and the system, and you know everybody knows you know it's cohesive. And when defense defenders always look better when everybody knows what each other is doing, which is part of the reason Olenek, you know, looks to have exceeded expectations. But I think he's improved his lateral quickness and his anticipation a little bit as well, which has helped. And I think that is obviously a, a big key to his success. So you can almost say that Olenek and Jarebko are interchangeable, but Jarebko is still a little bit more athletic in my mind. And a lot of those rebounds in the Atlanta series, he was flying around to go get them in ways that Kelly just doesn't have the athleticism to do. At the same time, I trust Kelly to be more... I mean, remember that stretch before he got injured, the way he knocked down those trays? Mm-hmm. If you get if you get that Kelly Olenek heading into next season, then yes, I, I say Olenek over Jarebko. But, but there's also something to be said for Amir Johnson playing alongside Horford from the standpoint of, you know, he's he's going to be more of that inside roamer defensively, mm-hmm. and he plays really good team defense. Some of the knocks on Amir last year went away when they went into the series against Atlanta, ironically, because that's when they faced the most mobile front court. But I almost wonder if Horford and Amir 
won't be a really nice tandem because of the intelligence that both players have and their uh, cohesion. Not not that Olenek and Jarebko aren't smart players, but, but there's also the experience factor there. I mean, Amir Johnson's got a number of years of experience. I almost wonder how much those two will be able to work defensively. On offense, it's, it, to me, it's a, it's a Jarebko or it's an Olenek, but on defense... You know, if if Horford's knocking down three pointers, it doesn't necessarily hurt to have a mirror out there. Well, and, and here's so I mean, what is your starting lineup too? Because the, those two things, I think the the player who plays next to Horford really is impacted by who's going to be your guard. If Smart is your starter and you're bringing, let's say, Bradley off the bench as they were doing for a period of time last year. Then maybe you do with Golden Olenek or Jarebko. Try to spread the floor a little bit, give Smart a little bit more room to work, then bring Bradley off the bench, and you know then you're bringing in a, you know an Amir to kind of counterbalance that. I think that that's the, the as much as we're looking at you know what do they provide within that that set that whether it's front court, back court, who's guarding who. To me, I think also we're looking at floor spacing and and looking at that um, I think we're hoping Smart comes in a little bit better. I think the like the fingers having a chance to just shoot and shoot and shoot over the summer, get some consistency in his shot and some confidence. And I think if he can go there, maybe it's not as big of a deal. But I think at least to start the year, you're going to try to w- want to get more shooting out there, and particularly if they're not able to get stuff in free agency. The other thing that I just real quick on that is that looking at this front court here. Remember, Olenek is still going to have the shoulder surgery. So that's a five-month recovery. He may not be ready for, for the start of training camp. There's still a chance, you know, or even yeah, if he, he is, could be, be he could be more of a Yeah, he could be more of a rusty, finished strong scenario. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that you got to give, in that case, you got to give maybe the nod to Jarebko in those, in those instances. So... But I, I still think there's a trade. There's going to be a trade. I really believe I've been waiting for a trade for two years to try to clear up this roster. Um, i got to feel like something's going to hear, going to come soon. I think Demetrius Jackson, when just going by what we saw tonight in Summer League and really both, both nights, Rozier is ready to play. He's ready to be a contributor. He's ready to, to be a part of what they're doing. Uh, I think Demetrius Jackson, a year from now, could be where roughly where Rozier is right now. So you've got really three, four. Uh, yeah, then, then of, it's got to be small guards. You've got. And is it Bradley? Then is that the guy? I mean, he's the defender, and he's the guy who could shoot from the outside. But Smart's the future. Thomas is the passion, and you definitely cannot trade Isaiah Thomas at this point after what he did. You know what I mean? In trying to secure yeah. Horford and Durant, and I mean, he is the heart and soul. Right. I mean, and and sure, you know, if you could trade Thomas and maybe you get Westbrook, everybody says that's a talent upgrade. It's a no-brainer. Blah blah blah. Uh, but there is something to be said for loyalty and and F Durant for that. I, I want <laughs> I want Thomas here because I'm loyal to players. Maybe he's not. You know, maybe there's question marks in people's minds about whether or not Thomas is a championship point guard. I think 
I think anything's possible. In the words of Kevin Garnett, anything's possible with the, with the roster as constituted. But here's where here's where we run into this problem. Rozier's better, but who do you give up? And the more time goes on, it was so clear to me last year. I was like, ah, you give up Bradley. But a lot of it has to do with what are you getting back. So if you're going to get a Jimmy Butler back, then Bradley's the one that goes out in my mind because he's such a clear two. But, and, and he can shoot. And so I think then you keep smart. But Smart is definitely a tradable piece, depending on who you're trading for, and I think that's probably how it's all going to work out for Danny is, what do we have, and what's what piece makes sense to go out. It's just, for me, I'm really high on Smart, and you just mentioned it, and we've talked about it since you know he had the snow day off to, to work on his shooting. This is the first time, and, and Marcus has brought this up too. He's had interviews, and he's you know he, he had a camp he was working at, and he said, hey, look, you know everybody knows it's shooting. That's what I've got to work on. It's shooting, but you all need to keep in mind this is the first off season since I've been in the NBA that I've been healthy, and that's exactly what the point was that we were making, and we agree with that, and we're hoping to see improvements. He's going to be a lights out three point shooter when he comes back next year. Highly unlikely, but even Avery Bradley isn't lights out. If he can show the same progression that Avery Bradley did, then we're in good hands. But ultimately, we know Marcus Smart's the heir to Isaiah Thomas because he's got to play point guard. The dude is not going to play shooting guard in this league. No, and and I'd say that if I were if if <laughs> if I were Marcus Smart and I were able to to make myself an average three point shooter, which is what Avery Bradley is right now, he's an average three point shooter. He's he's the average shooter from that position. If he could get to average, Marcus Smart could rule the world. I mean, <laughs> do you run him? Let me ask you this: Do you run if you trade Avery Bradley? Do you run him at point guard and get Isaiah more off the ball? And Sometimes. then space the floor with a Jarebko, right? They almost have to be sort of. They both have to work as combo guards. I mean, Isaiah is really good with the ball in his hands, but that also gets him into trouble. Mm-hmm. If Marcus could show just enough of a leap and enough shooting where they could put the ball in his hands and and get Isaiah off ball a little bit, they're not able to do that with Bradley. And I think that's where we got to when we felt like Bradley was the most tradable chip. But then you think back to that Golden State game and the defense that Bradley plays, and you say, there's no way he's expendable. Yeah, but I, it's true. You're right. But at the same point, where are you helping yourself elsewhere? He is, he is no doubt. He allows the Celtics to be strong in an area where many teams aren't, which is, you know, from that, you know, wing or, or, or guard um, de- defense, you know, the ability to shut teams down from that end of things, which is something very few teams can do. And the Celtics are among those those few teams that can. But at the same point, most nights, you need somebody who can fill the bucket up. What's your team's biggest need? It's not to you know, have yet another strong defender. Rozier is a strong defender. Um, uh, Smart is might be better than Bradley by the end of next year. Yeah, I believe that. Um, while Bradley's great on the ball in a team defensive sense, I don't think he's as strong as as what his first team defense would have one believe. I think I think Smart could be a better defender this year. Um, so you know, I and Crowder for that matter. So you know, while I'd love to keep Bradley, 
if you could trade him to a Western Conference team or, or, or a team that felt like they need to stop Steph Curry, sure. And, and, and get me a big guy. Send him to, to you know Utah and get back Derek Favors. I'd be all set right there. That'd be that'd be that'd be the ideal for me. It's not going to happen, but that's the type of thing that that you got to do if you can solve a problem somewhere by giving up an area of strength. I think that you're better in the end. And while I love Avery Bradley, he's been a solid player for us here. You got to look at the bigger picture. I think, and, and I I love him, but you know you, you're, you're what, what do you he's think the of, guy. You're not taking a step back. You still yeah. have Marcus Smart. You still have, I think, a, a guy in Terry Rozier that could grow into being a, a really good defender. So, you know, you just you got to take that. And I think Jackson made some strides here tonight where he could be next year's playoffs. He could be the Terry Rozier in that rotation if if, if things came to that. So yeah, they're they're loaded in that area. It's the area they have to trade from, and it does seem like Bradley's the guy, and he's the older one. And as I said, I think we kind of need to play this youth movement, stay young. So players, and again, he's really not that old, but he's still a guy that you know six years, five, six years from now is going to be you know right in his prime. But this team may be emerging at that point. It definitely releases the glut. We do need help. Derek Favors is a great point. You know, but I think Utah, and we'll have to talk about this more. We get a long off season with dwindling topics after you know basically drinking from a fire hose for the last month. But topics will dwindle. We'll work all these angles. But we do have to talk about Utah. Um, interesting. Hayward got interviewed during the summer league game. Uh, they talked about Brad Stevens. The you know, the whole connection there. And a lot of talk about maybe Hayward is a guy that we could sign next offseason, which I would obviously love. But it'll be interesting to see if he even wants to go because Utah can make a little bit of a leap this year. They could they could make things interesting. They've done some nice things. So we'll we'll get into a little bit more of that broader conversation as we move forward into the offseason. But we're going to wrap this one. Um, a nice long one. We had a Chad Finn on to talk me off the ledge. We definitely... I I, I stayed uh, in true character. I want you to know, I honestly feel this way. I have a feeling I'm still going to be sour about this six <laughs> months from now. Um, this this is not me trying to be, you know, the hot taker. This is this is legit how I feel, but I probably set myself up for the fall, John, like you said. Um, <laughs> this brought... This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as the CLNSradio.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. My co-host at CSL underscore Duke. Big thanks to everybody who tuned in. And you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget... Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is super important to us. And just a reminder that tonight's show was brought to you by Fan Essentials and Lou Crate. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners. But most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the CLNS Radio Network. Go to LouCrate.com, use the promo code CLNS to save $3 on your first subscription, and then go to Fan Essentials and use promo code CSL2016 and you'll be able to save 30% on your first month. Big thanks to the entire CLNS Radio listening audience who makes it all worthwhile, and for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Gelso, and my co-host, sitting alongside dealing with my angst, John Duke. <laughs> I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. 
Celtic Stuff Live.